Every once in a while, as I'm preparing for a homily, an old Twilight Zone program pops into my mind. I really love so many of those programs. I was a little young when they first aired, mind you. I really was. It was the early 1960s. But I've come to appreciate them in reruns. And so it was as I was preparing for my homily today. The episode in question that I thought of starred the bearded and rather rotund Sebastian Cabot. You may remember him, some of you who are older, as Mr. French the butler on that old program, Family Affair. Well, in this particular Twilight Zone episode, he didn't play a butler. He played an outwardly friendly but very strange individual named Mr. Pip. The story begins when a professional burglar named Rocky Valentine is shot by a policeman as he's in the process of trying to rob a pawn shop. When Rocky wakes up, he's surprised to find that he's unhurt and in the presence of Mr. Pip. He has no idea who Mr. Pip is, so Mr. Pip introduces himself and he explains that he is Valentine's guide. He also tells Rocky that he has been instructed to give him whatever he wants. Thinking that he's died and gone to heaven, Rocky happily accepts the offer. He starts off, as you might imagine, by asking for Shkarol, <laughs> as Henry Fiore would say, our principal. He asks for money, and Mr. Pip gives him all that he wants. Then he decides to ask for women, beautiful women to spend time with, and suddenly every girl that he sees falls in love with him immediately. Rocky even asks for success at the casino, and Mr. Pip sees to it that he never loses. Aren't some of you jealous? <laughs> well, for about a month, everything is great. Rocky loves it. The situation seems to be perfect. But eventually, something happens, and this is the dramatic genius of Rod Serling in these shows. All of a sudden, in this episode, something happens. The money, the material possessions, and all the sensual pleasures become old and tiresome to Rocky. And even boring, because after all, if you always win at the casino, there really isn't much to get excited about after a while. You know what's going to happen. And it starts to drive Rocky nuts. He can't deal with it. And so in desperation, he finally goes to Mr. Pip and says to him, Look, I can't take this anymore. I've got to go. I don't belong in heaven, see? I want to go to the other place. To which Mr. Pip responds, Heaven? Whatever gave you the idea that you were in heaven? 
This is the other place. <laughs> Wonder how I do that devilish laugh so well? <laughs> I'll leave you to figure out why. I don't know if our ho former Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, ever saw an episode of The Twilight Zone. I suspect he did not. But if he had seen this particular one, I think he would have loved it. Because one of John Paul II's favorite lines, one that he quoted time and time and time again in his many writings, was this one. Man cannot fully find himself except through a sincere gift of himself. Incidentally, that was probably one of John Paul's favorite quotes because it was taken from a document of Vatican II, Gaudium et Spes, which he helped to write. He was one of the major authors of that document when he was a young Polish bishop and theologian named Karol Wojtyła. Man cannot fully find himself except through a sincere gift of himself. Rocky, the fictional character in that Twilight Zone program, didn't know that. And he probably didn't care to know that. He thought that a person discovered himself and fulfilled the meaning of his existence through taking, not by giving, through taking and grabbing and satisfying his every desire. That's why he was a thief when he was alive on earth. And it's why he responded to Mr. Pip's invitation as he did in the afterlife. This philosophy, of course, is not unique to Rocky Valentine, the fictitious burglar. It's also embraced, as we know, by many people in the real world. And that explains, at least in part, why there are so many lost souls around. Lost not only because they don't know God and the meaning of life, but lost because they are almost totally wrapped up in themselves, and in their own wants, in their own desires. This is a big problem. And it's a cultural one, is it not? In lots of places in our culture right now, in the music that our young people listen to, in television programs, would that we had great programs like The Twilight Zone now, we got a few, maybe, but not enough. In TV programs, in movies, in advertising, in all these places in our culture, we are given the message that self-indulgence is the way to go. That self-indulgence is the way to find a kind of heaven here on earth. We're fed that message constantly. Do what you want. Follow your feelings. Let it all hang out. But the sad reality and the sad irony is that when people actually do that, when they actually embrace that philosophy like Rocky did and go with it, their lives don't become like heaven. Their lives very quickly become like hell. 
That's because, as John Paul II would say, man cannot fully find himself except through a sincere gift of himself. Life is not about me, me, and me. It's not about me, myself, and I. This life is about God and me and my brothers and sisters. Some of you will recall the old story, I think I told it in a homily before, about the man who had a vision of hell. In this vision, he saw a long table, banquet table, miles long, as far as he could see. And it was covered with gourmet foods, cooked to perfection, like our great cooks in Westerly cook things. Exquisite! However, the people who were sitting on either side of the table weren't able to eat any of the food. That's because they had these huge forks and spoons strapped to their arms, such that they could not bend their elbows. And so they couldn't get any of this great food into their mouths. Then the same man was transported up to heaven, and he saw a vision of God's eternal kingdom. And at first he was surprised because he saw the very same setup, the long table, the gourmet foods, the same long forks and spoons strapped to the arms of the people who were sitting there. The only difference was, in heaven, they fed each other. Each person fed the man or the woman who was sitting across from them at the table. I mention all this at this Mass because in today's Gospel story, a poor, destitute widow gives of herself by putting two small coins into the temple treasury. It was, as Jesus said, her whole livelihood. She gave it all. The gift of self begins with the idea that we are not islands. No man is an island. The gift of self begins with the understanding that we are a community of persons, each of whom is made in the image and likeness of God. This woman obviously understood that. This life was not just about her. And so out of love for God and her neighbor, she shared what she had. All she had, really. Obviously, on one level, this is a challenge to all of us to be generous in terms of what we give financially to charity. We are to give generously according to our means. What a perfect gospel text, given the fact that within a few weeks, we will officially start our capital campaign to pay for that nice addition on our school that Bishop Tobin blessed for us this past Tuesday. So I'll begin by throwing out that question for reflection. How generous are you to your parish and to other worthy causes in the community? Do you at least tithe on what you earn? In other words, do you give at least 10% of your gross earnings to charity? Barring extreme financial circumstances, every Catholic should. 
Every Christian should. Every Jew should. Since tithing is a biblical mandate that goes back to the Old Testament. And Jesus never did away with it. And I include you young people in this as well. I have noticed over the years that most of you have lots and lots of money all of a sudden when prom time comes. You have no trouble paying for that tux and that gown and that limo. You have no trouble paying for movies or music downloads from iTunes for your iPods. But what do you give, financially speaking, to charity? What do you put into the collection basket on a Sunday morning? And what about time and talent? And this is for everyone. Giving of yourself means more than just giving financially. It also means sharing your gifts and talents with your brothers and sisters. How eager are you to do this? There are certainly lots of opportunities right here in your own parish. Christine McGowan, for example, our DRE, is always looking for help in our religious ed program. What a great gift to be able to share your faith with our young people. What else is going to help them navigate through the storms of this life? Nothing else, friends. Richie, our organist, is always looking for those who have musical talent to volunteer to share their gifts here at Mass. Our Legion of Mary is always looking for people to visit the sick and the shut-ins of our community with them. Rick and Kay Dudley are always looking for help with the latest Habitat project. Today we will be asking for volunteers to assist with our parish giving tree. Very soon we will also be looking for people to help out with our capital campaign. When you hear requests made for volunteers, either here or someplace else, what's your typical response? Do you think to yourself, somebody else's problem? Not my business. Let somebody else do it. Or do you think to yourself, hmm, would I be able to do that? Is that a place where I could utilize my God-given gifts effectively? Now, some of you might say, but Father Ray, I'm really not healthy. I'm sick. And I'm much too old. I wish I could get more involved. But I'm physically unable to volunteer my time and share my gifts as I would like to. Well, fear not. If that is your situation, I have an alternative to propose. You can use your time well and do an awful lot to help others by simply offering up your sufferings. You can offer up your aches and your pains and your frustrations and all those trips to the doctor you have to make every week. You can offer all of that up for the conversion of sinners and for the sake of the good works that other people are doing in our parish and in the community at large. And I can almost guarantee you, this is what Mother Teresa of Calcutta would tell you to do. 
You know, many are not aware of this, but in her ministry, Mother Teresa relied very heavily on a group of people who came to be known as her sick and suffering co-workers. Her sick and suffering co-workers. These were men and women, some of them terminally ill, severely handicapped, who physically could do next to nothing or completely without physical capabilities. Severely handicapped, suffering souls throughout the world. But they said to Mother Teresa, Mother, we are willing to offer up all of this to God, all of our aggravation, our frustration, our physical pain. We will offer it consciously to God for you and for your sisters so that you will have the grace and strength you need to do the work you do, the tough work you do, to minister to those sick and suffering and dying souls on the streets of Calcutta and other places. These men and women, these sick and suffering co-workers of Mother Teresa, understood that offered up suffering is just like offered up prayer. It draws down God's blessings upon us and upon others. So you see, there's really no excuse for failing to share our time, our talent, and our treasure with other people, even if we're very old, and even if we are very sick. We can still do it. The only question is, will we?